Again, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. Just one verse again this morning. We've got two more messages, two more lessons in this series. I've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed it as well. Uh, so this, this lesson, um, and especially the EQ time, I really want to encourage you to stick around for that. Uh, it's going to be a little bit more uh, definitely engaging, um, more equipping, more challenging in some of the questions um, that are going to come about uh, within that time as we look at this aspect of the everlasting Father. Isaiah chapter number 9, verse number 6. Isaiah 9, 6. Let's go ahead and stand. Been sitting for just for a minute. Isaiah 9, 6. Just reading one verse. As soon as I find it, we'll all read it together. Isaiah chapter 9. Verse 6, do we got it up there on the screen, guys? Come on, Kevin. What's going on? Christmas blues, something? Don't have it up there on the screen? Some things never change. Some things never change. Yes, exactly. No, they don't have it. All right. If you have your, hopefully you have your Bibles and not you know, spin it on the screen. So let's go ahead and read it together. Ready to begin. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So we've looked at different aspects of the names of the Messiah, the Savior that was to be born. Back in chapter 7, we saw that he was to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then we've looked at the aspect of wonderful counselor. And then uh, this past Thursday night on the Christmas Eve service, had a wonderful time there. Mighty God and everything that that portrayed. But then today, the everlasting Father, the everlasting Father. And then next week in the new year, we're going to finish out this series looking at the Prince of Peace, and I think it's a fitting message to start the year and figuring out what peace is all about. Now they're all over the place back there. All right, let's go ahead and pray and start today. Hey, you got it. Good job. All right, awesome. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this day. Lord, I pray that you would be with us for the next few minutes as we study your word. And really, Lord, just look at this aspect This as we've done a kind of a unique series and just looked at one verse in particular and these different names that the Messiah was given, that Jesus was given. That, and there's so many names that, that Jesus has given in the word of God and uh, so many names that God has given in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament. And Lord, just looking at these different aspects of your character. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us today as we look at the everlasting Father, the eternal Father, and, and really some uh, attributes that we can compare and contrast to an earthly Father with a heavenly Father. And Lord, I know that there are some people maybe here or even watching online that have not had a great earthly Father relationship. And in fact, it is it has been detrimental in their Heavenly Father relationship. And I pray that you would help them understand some important truths today with this message and with this lesson. And I pray that you'd help us as we close out the year. Lord, 2020 has taught us a lot. And yes, it has taught us patience. But Lord, I pray that more than anything, it has taught us to rely on you even more. And it's helped us to rely and remember that you are still in control no matter what happens. And and Lord, that's been a reminder in my own life. No matter what happens in 2020 or 2019 or what will happen in 2021, you are still in control. You are still sovereign. And I'm thankful for that. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless this service today. Be with us in Christ name. I pray. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Now, I just want to ask one question for us all this morning before we really dive in. And it's kind of a weighted question. And I know there's a lot of emotions that might come with this question. And again, remember, we're in church, and we'll dive a little bit deeper into the EQ time. But what comes to mind when you think of the word Father? What comes to mind when you think of the word Father? Anybody at all? What comes to mind when you think of the word Father? 
Some people don't want to answer it. Chuck. Respect. Respect, okay. What else? What comes to mind when you think of the word father? Safety. Safety, okay. Leader. Leader. Marcus? Authority. Authority, okay. Yes? Provider. Provider. Someone who's supposed to take care of you. Someone who's supposed to take care of you, okay. What else? I'm sure there's other emotions too. Yes, Randy? Love. Love. Very good. What else? How many don't want to answer? A couple of you. <laughs> Marks, you got another one? Yeah, wisdom. Wisdom, okay. Uh, many of those attributes were um, really good attributes, but honestly, how many can think of some negative attributes when you think of Father? And I think that's why some of the people didn't want to answer. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in EQ. But there's a lot of emotions that come to mind when you think of father, when you think of dad, right or wrong. And really, it's not even necessarily just designed for father. It could be also designed for a mother or any kind of parent. But sometimes many people cannot think of God as father with any kind of joy because of the pain that they have from their earthly father. And there's a lot of people, maybe in this room today or watching online, or I know definitely on this planet, that have endured a lot of pain from their earthly father. There's been a lot of suffering that they've had to endure. Statistics state that upwards to 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. And here's our problem, and I want you to listen to this. Many times we often look at our heavenly father through the lens of our earthly father. I want to say that again, and I want to explain what I'm talking about. We often look at our heavenly father through the lens of our earthly father. How many have ever had an earthly father that made a mistake? Anybody? I have. Let's go ahead and talk about that. No, 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 we're not going to do it. We'd be here all week, right? Um, you know, if I were, and I'm not going to, but I, I could talk about a lot of the mistakes that my dad made. I could talk about a lot of the mistakes that I have made as a father. Now, I haven't made too many because my, my child has a shirt like this. So, uh, I mean, I am pretty epic. So I had to like dig, dig deep into his closet to find this. But anyway, here you go, dear. Oh, almost made it. Uh, I know I'm pretty epic, but uh, I've made a lot of epic failures too. But the thing is, we often look at our Heavenly Father through the lens of our earthly father. Here's what I mean. If our earthly father has ever made mistakes, they've ever failed us, they've ever left us, they've ever forsaken us, here's what we tend to think. Well, God's going to do the same thing, right? Because my earthly dad has been so miserable, there's no way my heavenly father is going to be anything greater. And I'm going to explain that in the message today. And some people, listen, have a difficult time forgiving their earthly father for his many failures. How many have ever had a, time, had a hard time literally forgiving your earthly father for mistakes? My hand's up. <laughs> I have. I mean, I think back at, in high school and college and some of the things that, you know, my, my dad decided or my parents decided. And, and at the time, I, and I've even shared some of this in the EQ time, but at the time it was the worst decision in my life and I, I couldn't stand my parents. I hated my parents at, at the time. And I, I thought they were just ruining my life. I could never forgive them for what they did. And yet now, you know, 20 years later, I'm like, man, I was so foolish, so stupid. I don't know what I was thinking. But the point is, sometimes all we do is look at people's failures. It's easy to look at people's failures, isn't it? 
isn't it? Yes, it is. I mean, if I were to look around at all of you today, I could see a lot of failures. And I could point out a lot of failures. You could too, right, Justin? Yes. We could. We could point out a lot of failures at individuals about all the problems that people have, and especially, and we're, we're looking at this earthly father, heavenly father aspect today. We can point out a lot of failures of our earthly father, but here's, here's what we should do. Instead of looking at things through the lens of our earthly father, we should look at things through the lens of our heavenly father first. If we look at things through the lens of our heavenly father, you know what's going to happen? We're going to have an easier time forgiving our earthly father. Because we're going to realize that he is not perfect. And that he is not the standard. He is just a temporary placeholder for the perfect standard. Now again, I'm going to explain more in this message today. But everyone has different emotions about your dad. And most of the emotions that were mentioned today were positive emotions. But I know that there are a lot of probably negative emotions that we have. I've shared some and I know you have shared some as well. For some people, it's just pain and hurt when they think of their earthly dad. And when Isaiah describes Jesus as our everlasting or eternal father, it doesn't do much for some because of your feelings for your earthly father. I read of a member of a church who told his pastor this. Listen to this. He said, Father did not just roll off my tongue the way it did for many of my Christian friends. How could I come to God without fear when I'd been scared to go home whenever dad was there? How could I understand God's love and faithfulness when my dad left town because he loved something or someone more than me? How can God be a mighty fortress of protection when dad hit me instead of hugged me? And that's just one person's take, and really that's probably many people today. And this quote probably resonates in the hearts of many people today. And this is why the word father provokes so many different emotions within us. You know, I asked this question about, you know, what was it like growing up fatherless to, to many individuals uh, even this past week? And, and I got one response, and I want to share it just quickly, what this person said to me. They said, one of the most difficult parts of growing up fatherless without having that relationship with Jesus, is learning how a man or a father is supposed to treat you and how men show love. When you have an earthly father, my assumption is that they are the role model that helps to create the expectation of the way you expect to be treated by other male figures. I honestly think little girls are born seeking male approval and companionship. And without that solid example, young ladies have a tendency to turn to the wrong man for that attention. It was very difficult and still is at times to accept love for what it is and not think that there is some kind of motive behind it from anyone. Easily one of the most challenging things for me to accept about my Heavenly Father is that He does and always has and always will love me no matter what. And that He will not leave me even when things are less than perfect. Fathers seem to be that parent that gets to say, I'm proud of you at some point. And without that approval from a father figure, it always has pushed me to be an overachiever. Now, I know my heavenly father is proud of me. The overachieving at the point is just a learned habit. And my attempt to fully utilize the gift he's given me 
But it all started with me desperately wanting to know that someone, anyone really was proud of me. Also the safety factor. Dads are supposed to be the ones that protect you and keep you safe and feeling secure. Without that, it made me very, very guarded for a very long time. I even struggle with it now sometimes, but nothing like I used to realistically. It took me more than 10 years for me to truly realize that I did have a dad all along. It just wasn't the one in the place that I was looking for. And I think it was a great uh, picture of this person, what they said. And really, it's a picture of many people that grew up fatherless or with a dad that really just wasn't there. And what I want to do today, as we're looking at this picture of the everlasting father, you know, I'm reading a book for this series, specific series, Searching for Christmas. And, and within the book, uh, the author references another book. And it's a book entitled Father Factor, How Your Father's Legacy Impacts Your Career. It's from Stephen, Stephen Poulter. And he illustrates four different types of dads. And what I want to do today is I want to take those four different types of dads and then compare and contrast that with our everlasting father. And here's the truth. You think about the end of this year, 2020, you think about really life in general. If we ever needed anything in a Savior... It's an everlasting father. And I think this message is really one of the most difficult to comprehend and understand for some just because of the earthly dad struggle. And again, there are a lot of dads that have made horrible, miserable mistakes, that have been failures that have not been there for one reason or another. Sigmund Freud, the noted psychologist, once said, nothing is more common than for a young person, listen, he said, nothing is more common than for a young person to lose faith in God when he loses respect for his father. And this morning, what I want to do is just compare and contrast these different views. And we're going to look at four types of dads and contrast them with our everlasting father. The first dad I want to look at is this, the never satisfied dad. The never satisfied dad. Our heavenly father is the complete opposite view of this. Because in his sight, you are a precious treasure. Jesus doesn't hold your mistakes over your head, contrary to some people's beliefs. Some people believe that every mistake I make, Jesus holds over my head, and he holds me accountable in the fact that he's going he's gonna to make me pay for my mistakes. Now, if you're a child of God, which means you have gotten saved, you have given your life to Jesus Christ, <laughs> Your past is in the past, right? It is. But what we do is we continue to hold on to our past, and we're the ones that are holding it over our heads. And then our view is that God does the same. But does God do the same? No, He doesn't. We think that, well, anytime I, I mess up, God just thinks I'm a miserable, no good for nothing worthless, whatever. But that's a wrong view of God. That's a horrible view of God. And many people, many Christians struggle with this. Look, I want you to understand that Jesus took the wrath of God for our sins so that God can look at us with a never-ending satisfaction. Look, we all have a yearning or a desire to matter to people. Maybe you have the desire to, to matter to people around you, but do you realize that you matter to Jesus greatly? 
Look, there are some people that I've met, and maybe they're even here today, they probably are, that like to portray this tough or hard shell exterior because they're masking their own pain and own insecurities about who they are. We want to matter to someone, but because of other people's failures, we have shut out the world. We shut out those closest to us. And the truth is, people are going to let you down, aren't they? (laughs) They are. If you think nobody's going to let you down, then you're living in a (laughs) a reality world. But the truth is, people are going to let you down. People are going to disappoint you. So because people let you down, we tend to react this way to our Heavenly Father. Because maybe my earthly father let me down and wasn't there when I needed him, obviously God's going to be the same way. But that's a wrong view. And just because we might have had a never satisfied dad that was never satisfied with us does not mean our earth or heavenly father is the same way. Our heavenly father is satisfied with us if we are his child. Psalm 139. Why don't you turn there? We got some time. Psalm 139. Verse 13. Psalm 139, verse number 13. For thou hast possessed my reins and hast covered me in my mother's womb. Verse 14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, in that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect and In thy book all the members were written, which is continuance were fashioned when as yet were none of them. It goes back to verse number 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You see, God knew you before you were born. And he's got a plan for your life because here's the truth. You are worth something to him. You are special. You are unique. There is no one else like you. God made you the way that he wanted you to be. You know, my wife hates it when I do this, but a lot of times when we have conversations, I break out in song. She just hates it because like, I, I revert back to my childhood and I break out in like Patch the Pirate songs and um, uh, Disney songs and stuff like that. And um, we were having a conversation the other day. I didn't even know what it was about. Uh, I think she made fun of me for something, rightfully so. And all of a sudden, I started singing, I'm special to Jesus. There's no one else like me. I wouldn't trade places with anyone else. I'm special, you see. God has prepared a place he wants me to be. I'm special. I'm special to my Lord. I always mess up the words. That's why she hates it more than anything. But anyway, I started breaking out in songs like that, and uh, it's just back in my childhood. And she just hates it. She's like, shut up. <laughs> but all, all, all I could think about when I, when I thought about this passage was that, that whether you like the song or not, we are special to Jesus because we are unique. He has made us the way that he wants us to be. 
And I've said it before, but because of this, there is only one that gets to name us, and it's the one that made us, and that is Jesus Christ. Look, the everlasting Father is the complete opposite of the never-satisfied Father. Zephaniah 3.17 says this, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. I want you to listen to this. It says, He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. The middle part of Zephaniah 3.17, He will rejoice over thee with joy. God is satisfied with you, his child. I think every kid wants satisfaction from their dad, from their parent. They want to hear them say how proud they are of them. But what tends to happen is that we tend to harp on the negatives. We tend to harp on the things that we don't like. And all of us ache and we yearn to be someone special. We yearn for satisfaction and validation. We desire to have someone and we desire for someone to say that we are special, that we are unique, that we are worth something. And we may never find it on this earth, but we will find it in our Heavenly Father. Look, He has fashioned us. He has created us. I want you to listen to this. There is not a single day of your life when He has not been present. The love that He has for you is deeper and greater and better than any other love that anyone has ever received from their earthly father. No matter how epic He is. Zephaniah 3.17 The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee, is mighty. He will save, he will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love, he will joy over thee with singing. The first type of dad is the never satisfied dad, but again, that is the complete opposite of our heavenly father, of our everlasting father. The second picture of dad that in this book portrays is this. Some of us might be able to um, relate to this one, the time bomb dad. (laughs) The time bomb dad. You know what I'm talking about here. The dad that just, you know, you never know when they're going to blow up. Don't you love it? You know, don't you, don't you love, uh, especially, uh, especially moms, like they're, you know, they're telling their kids, all right, don't talk to dad after whatever, you know, fill in the blank. You know, growing up, <laughs> Ryan's sighing over there, he knows. Um, you know, honestly, growing up, uh, it, it was tough in a pastor's home. And a lot of times, you know, um, and, and I've done this same thing, but, you know, all the stress that was on my dad, a lot of times we took the brunt of it as his kids, as his family. And it wasn't necessarily he was trying to do that, but especially on Sundays. Sometimes Sundays were the worst day of the week for me. Uh, I hated Sundays because after church, if we had a bad day, if we had a low day, which today is kind of a low day, if we had a low day, if we had a bad offering, then when dad came home, we ate dinner around the table, like, don't talk to dad. Like, he was mad, he was upset, and if you said something, even in jest, like he might just blow up on you. And it wasn't necessarily he was going off on you. He was just mad at the situation. I've done the same thing to my family at different aspects because I've allowed the stress of my life, my job, the ministry to then go off on them. But you understand what I'm saying here, that that, that time bomb dad. And the reality is that most of our blowups aren't because of our kids. Honestly, dads, how many have ever blown up? <laughs> All right, we got a couple honest people. And really, a lot of the blow-ups aren't necessarily because of your kids. Mike, would you agree with that? A lot of times there's something else. There's something else that's happening in our lives. And again, my blow-ups are often because of stress. Now, sometimes they're because of my kids, but it's because of stress, and all of a sudden they do something, and it just triggers it and sets me off. But our everlasting Father is not like this. 
And again, there's times where for the earthly perspective, we don't want to talk to dad. We don't want to go to dad because we're afraid that he's about to just blow up because he had a bad day at work, he had a bad day at whatever. Uh, this is not the good time. Uh, don't talk to him. He's going to blow up at us. And then we view our heavenly father the same way. But listen to what Psalm 103, 8 says. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. You know, I wish that could be said about myself. Most of the times, it, it, it could be said of this. Chris is sometimes merciful and gracious, quick in anger. And probably you could put your own name in there and say the same thing. But the Lord our God, the everlasting Father, is not quick to anger. He is slow to anger. He is plenteous in mercy. In Poulter's book, he points out that kids that grew up in homes like this often developed a number of anxiety disorders. One glaring thing that stood out for most of them was that they became control freaks when they grew up. And the reality is because when you can't control certain aspects of your life, you then choose to control what you can control. And you look at it. Now, it's not saying that every kid that grew up in a home like this is going to become a control freak. There's other aspects that maybe lead to that. Maybe it's a mirrored image of what dad is, and then you become that. But the truth is that sometimes that is the reality, that You can't control anything in your own family, so I'm going to control anything and everything around me. That's not good. That's not healthy. And listen, the truth is, you don't have to fearfully avoid God. Again, and, and, and I want, and I know it's a different message today, but there are times when, honestly, I didn't want to go around dad. Understand what I'm talking about? I didn't want to be around dad. Because I was afraid that he was going to go off on me. I was afraid that something I said was just going to upset him and he was just going to blow up on me. And, I, and I've even seen that in my own six-year-old and three-year-old at times, that I have to work on that. And we do the same thing with our Heavenly Father. But listen, God does not follow us around with judgment and simmering anger. His eager love should make us want to be with him rather than hide from him. And growing up in a home with a short-tempered dad, we often wondered, what's coming my way? (laughs) What did I do wrong this time? We try to stay on dad's good side and avoid his bad side, but we carry this relationship with our Heavenly Father, and therefore we create a misguided view of our Heavenly Father. When sometimes, uh, when things go wrong, we often think, I wonder why God's upset with me now. Anybody ever thought that? Wonder what I did to upset God. Wonder why, wonder why he's put all this judgment on me. That's a wrong view. That's messed up. That's a misguided approach. It's because we are approaching our heavenly father through the lens of our earthly father. And listen, and I'm not trying to be mean, but much of our problems today do not stem from a judgmental heavenly father. They stem from our own stupidity. But we like to blame other people, right? Well, it's not my own fault. It's obviously God that is just judging me for my sins. Well, if you're saved, haven't your sins already been judged? Yes, they have. So then is there anything left to judge you? No. No, 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 no. But pastor, you don't, no, no, you don't understand God's word. Study it. 
Once your sins have been judged on the cross, once you have asked Jesus to save you of your sins, there is nothing left that he has to judge you for. Yes, there are consequences to our sins that we have to pay uh, the price for down the road, but it's not like God is walking around, boom, I'm going to hit you today because you messed up today. Boom, I'm going to hit you today with this big stick. What? We have a misguided view. We have a messed up approach to God. And again, many of our problems stem from our own stupidity. We just want to blame someone else. Jesus is so much different than this time bomb type father. Moses even asked God to show him what he was like. Exodus 34, 6. The Lord says, the Lord passed before him and said, he proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God is merciful and gracious. So Moses wanted to know what God was like. And what God did was describe part of his character to Moses. And it's interesting how God described himself. He said, the Lord God is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in goodness and truth. That's pretty amazing. That's what Moses is is hearing from God himself. That, hey, I'm God. I am merciful. I am slow to anger. I am abounding in goodness and truth. I love you. I am compassionate. He is slow to anger, but he is quick in love. That's pretty contradictory of most, most earthly fathers, right? Most of the time... I am quick in anger and slow to love. But God is quick in love and slow to anger. You see, here's what we learn about Jesus. When you study his word, he is consistent. Hebrews 13, 8, the Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, forever. He doesn't change. His anger is never misdirected. It's never out of control. And again, oftentimes my anger is misdirected. It can get out of control. But God does judge people who are against him, who are rebellious. But his actions towards his own people are never done in a heated anger. Even when God allows painful things in our life, it's not for our detriment. It's done in his goodness for our betterment. And what we must understand is that we can trust our everlasting father. The third type of dad that we see today is this, the emotionally distant dad. The emotionally distant dad. These dads may direct, may be there in our lives, but they struggle in showing emotions toward us. Or when they do, they're often directed at the favorites. We can go off on this one for a while. How many have ever thought your parents had a favorite? I mean, honestly, I think many of us. You think, okay, that one, okay, it's Kevin. I, <laughs> um, I think many of us have probably thought that, that they grew up in a home with more than, you know, obviously, you know, just one of us had multiple siblings. I mean, there's even a story in the Bible of Joseph, but um, first of all, let me, let me just say this. Parents, be careful. Be careful of this. Because kids pick up on this. Kids, oh, man, they pick up on this very good. There are certain kids, I mean, Amanda and I have this conversation all the time. You know, the ones that are like you (laughs) the most sometimes are the ones that you're hardest on. And sometimes those are the ones that you don't show enough love to because you're like, Mini Chris, shut up. And here's the thing, you know, we have daddy's little buddy, daddy's little princess, and the other kids take note of that, and they see that. 
And they see that, well, dad always shows love to this sibling. They always do this for that sibling, but they never do anything for me. Parents, be careful. Be cautious. Because your kids are seeing that. They take note of that. And listen, when parents struggle to show affection towards all their children, the children will often struggle showing affection towards others. Some were made to feel that their earthly parent was too busy for them and that they weren't a priority in their life. But the truth is, when we look at our Heavenly Father, Jesus isn't like that. Think about what Christmas teaches us. Jesus left a home full of endless riches to come to poverty. He left a throne room to come to a dung room. Why? So that he could be with us. So that he could be the wonderful counselor to show us that he is the mighty God. What drove Jesus to do this? One word. Love. And you think about the emotionally distant dad that doesn't show emotion. Uh, There's a lot of men that are like this. I just don't show emotion. Well, you should show it towards your family. I don't care if you don't show it to anyone else, but you should show it towards your family. They should see that you are emotional at times, that you can show them love, that you can say that I am proud of you, that I love you, that I want to be with you, that I'm thankful for you. If you can't do that, if you can only do that for certain individuals of your family, the baby of the family or whatever, then you're messed up. And you're giving them a bad picture of their heavenly father. Dieter Uchtdorf, he once said that though we are incomplete, God loves us completely. Though we are imperfect, God loves us perfectly. Though we may feel lost and without compass, God loves us, encompasses us completely. He loves every one of us, even though we are flawed, rejected, awkward, sorrowful, and broken. And Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. You know, I think the greatest picture that we have of the love that our Heavenly Father has for us is illustrated in the story of the prodigal son. You know, just one verse in that story, and I want to reference it. But in Luke 15.20, it says this, While the son was a great way off, or a long way off, His father saw him, had compassion on him, and ran to him. First of all, you know what this shows me? The story here is that the son was ready to go. He wanted his inheritance before it was time. He took his inheritance and just ran and wasted it on riotous living, just wasted it on foolish things. And in Luke 15, 20, the parable that Jesus is portraying and and, and illustrating to his followers It said that while his son was a great way off, now his son had been gone for probably weeks and months, but it said the father saw him. Now, the father saw him. To me, that that shows that the father was looking for him, right? I'm sure it wasn't one of those things that he was just kind of passing by the window one day. Oh, oh, my son. Oh, look, I guess he's coming. No, I'm sure every day he was probably just camped out the front or by the window or whatever, just kind of looking, hoping that his son is coming home. And finally, we don't know how long it was. Maybe it was months. Maybe it was a year. I don't know. But finally, that prodigal son, the son that left, that that went away, what happened? He came back. And before I go on to the story, you know what the dad did not do? He didn't do what most of us 
probably have done or would do. When the son came back, I told you so. You foolish child. You good-for-nothing, worthless individual. Why'd you even leave in the first place? Is that what the dad did in the story? No, he didn't. You know what the dad did? Mike, you be the son. So I'm the dad. Oh, that hurt, man. Yeah, he tackled him. It says he ran, he met him. He had compassion on him. Now, now that's important because, especially in those days, men of prominence and importance, they didn't do that. They didn't go running. I mean, that was below them. But this dad didn't care about all that. That's his son that was gone, that was lost, and now he has come home. So it's not about how foolish you are, how stupid you've been, how shameful you are, how ungrateful you are, how, that's what we do. You idiot, whatever else you want to say. No, he ran with compassion, and that is a picture of our Heavenly Father. Even though we have messed up, even though we have been foolish, even though we have mistreated him, you know what he does? He is waiting for us every day to come home. And when we do, he runs to us with open arms. And it's not, I can't believe you did that. Is that what Jesus does to us? No, that's what we think he does to us sometimes, but that's not what he does to us. Because Jesus is not the emotionally distant dad. The thing in this story is that the father embraced him in love. And here's the amazing thing about it all. The mighty God is so emotionally connected to you that he has bound up his emotions in yours so that he will not rest until you have been brought back home. That's how much he loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love and nothing you ever do will ever stop him from loving you. Nothing. For some, it's time to accept that your earthly father or relationships you have on this earth have led to pain. But the relationship that Jesus wants and desires does not lead to pain. That's why people in church cannot fully encompass true Christianity because they're not willing to let go of their pain, their hurt. Look, there are, there's several individuals in this room that I, I, can, I can point out. And there's several individuals in this, they're probably watching online that I could point out that have not let go of pain from the past. And because of that, they really have a misguided view of their heavenly father. And they don't have a proper view of Christianity. And they're really not ever going to truly thrive. And they're not going to really live in freedom because they're holding on to things that they shouldn't hold on to. Look, it's time to release that hard shell exterior, but I like having it. I like, you know, you know having all these, these masks up and these walls up so people aren't going to get in. They're not going to hurt me anymore. Man, it's time to let go of that. It's time to release it. But what if they hurt me? Well, they might, and they probably will. But you know who's always going to be there for you? Your Heavenly Father. Your everlasting Father, who's always going to love you. He's always going to care for you. The fourth type of dad, quickly, that we see is this. The absent dad. I've talked to individuals who grew up in a home where dad wasn't there. Here's what I hear over and over. What did I do for mom and dad not to want me? Why, why aren't I good enough for them? Why do they choose someone else over me? 
Absentee fathers, or really parents in general, can leave us feeling angry, upset, anxious, depressed. For some, it even drives them to prove their worth. I will be better. I am going to prove it to myself and to everyone else around me. Look, some dads are never around. Sometimes they only show up after years of absenteeism. But that's not Jesus. Here's the truth. Jesus didn't come and leave. He showed up and stayed. He didn't show up and leave. He he came and stayed. And even when he did leave in a moment in death, he returned. And when he left again to go to heaven to prepare a home for us, he still left us with his comforter, the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus is our everlasting father. He is not absent. He is ever present. He is Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Why did Jesus come? He came to be the father that you always desired. The father that many of us want. Many of us struggle with this. I want to read a quick story and then I'll close. In this book that I was reading, it, it, it referenced the story of a, a couple that was trying to uh, adopt. It said, right before the day when they were supposed to pick up their adopted son, Charlie, from the orphanage, things changed. There were some political upheavals, and the country froze the process. No more children were going to be able to leave the country. Charlie could not come home to Ryan and Morgan. So they decided to go to him. They flew over from the U.S. and basically camped outside of the orphanage, spending half of their time with their son and the other half lobbying the courts and meeting with the government officials, pleading with them to release their son. After a few weeks, Morgan had to come home, but Ryan stayed. It was at Christmas time. This was not where he wanted to be at Christmas, far away from home, far from his family, but here was a father who loved his son. And since his son could not come to him, he was going to go to that son. And he was going to fight for that son. There would be more days and weeks of struggle. But wonderfully, Ryan was eventually able to bring Charlie home. That Christmas, as Ryan battled corrupt court systems on the other side of the world, the author says, It struck me that he was a picture of the kind of eternal father that Jesus is for everyone that asked him to be. Jesus went far further for us than Ryan went for his son. He didn't leave a country of privilege to move to a country of poverty. No, he left the riches of heaven to come to a world of pain. You see, Jesus is the eternal father. You see, the most disappointing earthly father can be a reminder that there is someone who will never disappoint us. Zephaniah 3.17 again says, The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee. He is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Jeremiah 31.3, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. This is the type of father that we have. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. As in all these messages, what I want from this as we close is change. Head change that leads to heart change, that leads to life change. And the head change is this, write this down. To know that our everlasting Father sees us as his beloved children. To know that our everlasting Father sees us as his beloved children. The heart change is this. To feel seen 
known, accepted, and loved by our everlasting Father. To feel seen, known, accepted, and loved by our everlasting Father. And finally, the life change is this. To behold God's great love for us. It all comes down to that one word. Why did God come in the form of a human? Because of love. You see, Jesus is our everlasting Father. He didn't abandon us. Even when enemies killed him, even when our sin rested upon his shoulders, he didn't walk away. And what we learn from Isaiah 9, 6 is, again, this is the gospel, that we have an everlasting Father who pursues us with an unending and redeeming love. We have an everlasting Father who pursues us with an unending and redeeming love. You know, we looked at four types of dads today. We looked at the absent dad, the emotionally distant dad, the time bomb dad, the never satisfied dad. That might be your earthly dad. One of those or all four of those. But that's not the everlasting father. He is so far from that. So don't view your heavenly father from the lens of your earthly father. View your earthly father from the lens of your heavenly father. And if you do that, that will help you learn to forgive because you'll realize that he's imperfect. He's only a temporary placeholder. He's only meant to portray that he is inadequate in and of himself, that I need someone far greater that will never leave me, that will never forsake me, that will love me unconditionally. And that's what the everlasting Father teaches us. Heads bowed and eyes closed.